You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Well, church, uh, we need, I want, I want to revisit the words that Melissa and Sarah brought because it's crucial for where we're going uh, I, I, again, I'm really grateful. I'm grateful for this staff. I'm grateful for the people that um, have just said yes to what the Lord is doing in this community and are partnering with us as we partner with heaven. Um, just very, very grateful. I mean, you guys don't see this, all the, all the work that they put in, all the after hours stuff that they do uh, to continue the progress uh, of this house and of what the Lord is doing. And I'm just, I'm so, so grateful because there's never any complaining there's never any grumbling. There's always eagerness and urgency to do it. And they're always grateful for the opportunity to serve this city and to serve this church. So just really, really grateful. Two beautiful words over the last two weeks from women of power. Uh, Melissa's word, um, as, she was, as she was preaching uh, last week, just genuineness continued to just, that word just continued to hit me, continued to... Uh, to be reminded, the Lord continued to remind me of that word. And then Ephesians 4, 25, for we are members one of another. That, that is important for us to remember, that we are members one of another. I am made for you and you are made for me. We are made to be connected. We are not made to be separated. We are not made to be divided. You are robbing yourself of purpose from heaven of the fullness of what Jesus intended when he brought you into this earth, brought you into this world. You are missing so much of significance and purpose and destiny when you disconnect yourself from your brothers and sisters. You miss out because what you have unlocks things in me that without you, I would never see and vice versa. That is the beauty of the body of Christ. The beauty of the body of Christ when one hurts, we all hurt. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. And when, waits, when one waits for the Lord, for a prayer to be answered, we wait with them, encouraging them in faith to stay rooted in Jesus, to remind them. How many of us have been waiting on a promise and you grow weary and you just need somebody to remind you of who it is that made that promise to you? We need that. We all need that. It is not your job to sustain yourself and your life and your faith alone. You are not meant for it. You are meant to be connected to a body of people that continue to propel you into purpose and identity. Amen? One of my favorite quotes of all time, uh, it's about loneliness. I've said this, I've shared this with several of you. Loneliness is not the absence of having someone it's the feeling that no one has you. That's loneliness. That when you turn around and look in your corner, there's no one standing behind you. That is loneliness. And we've got a lot of people that believe in Jesus that are lonely because they don't have anyone in their corner because they've been severed from the body of Christ. That will not exist in this place. Amen. Amen? We will be for one another, not against one another. We will stand with each other. And when one hurts, we all hurt. So you don't get to hide your hurt for my sake because you're robbing me of an opportunity to be who God has made me to be for you. Amen? Amen? 
I loved that. I loved that Melissa was honest and vulnerable about what their family has been dealing with, what they're navigating, the things they're trying to figure out. That, that honesty and that, that, you guys have seen me up here with that same confession. When Sarah and I uh, lost that baby and we just kept it to ourselves and just sat in the trenches and struggled together and we, we made sure that we weren't going to burden any of you with our problems. And know what that did? That kept us stuck in the trenches. Because you're meant to know because you're the ones that will reach down and pull us out. Amen? That's the body of Christ. That was Melissa's word. It was profound. That was what the Lord was speaking as she was speaking and it was profound and beautiful. And we get to when we stand with one another in the waiting, in the waiting of promises, in the waiting of fruition of things the Lord has said to come, when we stand with them and when we stay anchored in their corner, we get to protect one another from establishing preferences around those promises. The fastest way to derail the journey to arrive at that promise, because when the Lord speaks a promise to you, When he says yes, when you make a request and he says yes, how many know that that promise, that fruition, that fruit has been released right there in that moment? It just doesn't mean it was released right where you're at now. There's a journey to get to it. Amen. It's waiting for you. It's it's already ordained and anointed for a day that you've not yet lived. But once you get there, you will find it. But we get derailed on that process of stepping in the will of God and continuing in this journey to get to the promise, allowing Him to lead us, we rob ourselves of that process when we begin to put preferences around the promise. Not expectations. Expectations are good. I expect God to be who He says He is. And He says He's faithful all the time, not sometimes, all the time. So I expect Him to be faithful. But when He says He's going to do this, And then I start, well, I would really like if he did it like this. That's where we get in trouble, right? I start establishing my preference. And guess what? Every time I've done that and I've had to step back and then the Lord honors that promise, my preference was way off and was way worse than what the Lord had intended. Amen? That's the goodness of God. Just get out of his way and let him work, right? And then Sarah's word. She, she spoke this, and it was just out of the overflow of her heart one practice. And I told her after, I was like, just go ahead and start preparing your sermon because you're going to preach that. That's a good word. And it was this quote. She said this, a song is just a song if that is your only offering to him. A song is just a song if that is your only offering to him. If you're just going through the motions, singing the words because that's what's on the screen, that is not a sacrifice of praise. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through Him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge His name. Church, He doesn't just want your words. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. He wants that when you're singing, your heart is singing. And your mouth is just reflecting what is existing within you, what is overflowing out of you, that you're not just reading the words on a screen and trying to put a little melodic twist to it as you read them out loud, but that your heart would belong to him. And that when you praise him from that place, that place of total love, adoration, vulnerability and trust, that is no longer just a song that you sing, but a reflection of your heart. And that's what blesses him, church. When he knows in this moment, as he looks at his child that is singing these songs, 
when you're praising his name, when he knows that your heart belongs to him, it blesses the Father. It blesses him. We have this wonderful and amazing opportunity as children of God to bless him, to bring joy to the Father, the King of kings and Lord of lords, when we choose him, when we adore him, and when we run after him. When he is all of you, when he is your whole life, when he has all of you, when he has all of the love of his children, that is when it becomes more than a song. That is when it is a sacrifice of praise because you are laying down your life in this very moment of singing this song. A profound word, an amazing word. And that word, these last two weeks from Sarah and Melissa, it leads me uh, to a word that Jay, uh, in his prayer last week, he said this. Um, I don't know if he remembers this. I'm sure he will. But it blew my mind. The Lord immediately, as, as Jay spoke this, the Lord grabbed my heart and said, you need to dive into this this week. I said, yes, sir. He's like, I got things I need to show you because that was a word from me of revelation and I've given you your sermon now. You need to dive into this because there's further revelation for this. But Jay said he was praying. He was praying over our offering. And he just said, when we give to this house, the Lord will stimulate the economy in our city of Sundown, Texas. And that, that was profound to me. And all of a sudden, I started realizing all of the misconceptions that we have around tithing. And so, believe it or not, uh, this, is, this is not something, this is something that I said I would never do. I said I would never preach on tithing. Because what happens when a pastor starts preaching on tithing? What are you thinking? You're thinking, one, I left my checkbook at home and he's going to judge me in a second. Or you're thinking, okay, we must be low on funds and so he's doing this, trying to spur up the financial stuff. That is not why I'm here to you today. Because I'm telling you right now, I will not preach from a place of doubt and fear. I'm just not going to do it. We have, I have sat in that office. I have sat across from Randy Winfrey and we have both looked and been like, okay, well, we may be looking for some jobs just to supplement some income so that we continue to do ministry because we're not going to have money to pay each other in a week. And you know what happens every time? The Lord comes through. How many times has this house experienced financial provision beyond anything we can see, fathom, or measure? We have compounds in Africa that have been built because of the generous donations of this house when we didn't have the funds to do it. That, that compound in Africa was built when the oil field was at the lowest of lows. When people didn't have jobs, people didn't have money. But you know what they did? They gave what they had. And the Lord multiplied it and blessed it and did profound, miraculous things. And now there is a refuge for children in Africa to escape abuse, to escape uh, poverty and to, to learn trades and skills that they can go out and make something of themselves. Um, so yes, it has finally happened today. There is a sermon about tithing, but it's really not what it's about this morning. It's not about tithing, but it is about the state of our hearts. And so I just want to unpack that word from Jay uh, as we continue on. When we give to this house again, the Lord will stimulate the economy and sundown. Church, I need us to recognize that our giving is much, much bigger than we can imagine because our giving is supernatural, because we are investing into a supernatural kingdom. So how can your earthly dollar that you invest into a supernatural kingdom not become supernatural? Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen? 
The Lord uses it for supernatural and profound things. When you give to a supernatural kingdom, what was given in faith is supernatural with supernatural results. But we get stuck in this thinking that giving to the church just builds the church. But that's what has been modeled to us, so I get it. Right? We have always thought you give so that the church can expand, the church can do more. And part of that is absolutely true. Your donations and your giving has allowed us to do things in this sanctuary, to update this, to get speakers, new sound equipment, different things throughout the church. Uh, your donations and your giving allowed us several years ago, eight years ago now, which is crazy to do that front face renovation to the church. Your giving has allowed us, me and Randy, just... In our, in our time together, basically went through every room in this church and just renovated everyone. My first job here, my first day, he brought me to a room with paint and was like, just paint it. Like, sweet. The one thing I hate the most. And I'm so excited for ministry. And he takes me to a little room upstairs, tucked away and says, paint it. I'm like, awesome. So I did that. And that was super fun. But we've done this and your, your donations and your tithing, it's allowed for this to happen. It's been a beautiful thing. But that's what's been modeled to us is that we just think our thinking is so small that when we give to the church that that's where it stays. And in some churches, unfortunately, that is the case. But we are led and we operate in the spirit of God. And if he said right now, give everything in this house away, we would do it without hesitation. I mean, a little hesitation because it'd be a lot of work. So I'd like, let me go home, get a nap, come back, then we'll do it. Uh, but other than that, there's not a single person that would say no to what the Lord is doing. And before we continue on, let me just say this. Just again, I already kind of touched on it, but let me say this again. I am not preaching this today because I want your money. And Jay said it in, in his prayer over the offering. I just want your heart to belong to him. I want you to give what he says to give. I don't care what it is. I just want it to be obedience. I just want, as your pastor, I want your heart to belong to him and him alone. Whatever happens after that, it'll take care of itself. I'm not worried about it. If that is taken care of, then we're going to be healthy and the Lord's going to do profound things. I want your heart to belong to him. I want your life to be his and everything else will work out. Amen? Amen. Church, when we give, we give to the kingdom and the kingdom is not held within these four walls. Amen? Praise God for that reality. I love this reality. I'm grateful for this reality that this is not where church exists. The church is the body of Christ, a living and active body because we serve a living and active God. Amen. Amen. Luke 6, 38 says, maybe, there it is. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it will be measured back to you. So many of us, so many just Christians in general, they read verses like this and they give. And why do they give? Because they expect the Lord to bless them financially back. That's an easy trap to get in. I grew up in that trap. My parents, had, they operated in that. We all operated in that because that's what was preached. And that's, that's really easy to read that and to see that and to think, but that's small thinking, but to think that if I give financially, the Lord's going to bless me financially. Does that mean that you're going to have a million dollar home? No. Is the Lord going to take care of you? Yes. The Lord will absolutely take care of you. So don't hear that I'm saying like, oh, if you give to the church, like you're just 
Good luck. Uh, you just don't have that. The Lord will honor everything that you give. The Lord will honor you. He will, he will look after you, but not because you give, because you're his son, because you're his daughter. This is what he does. He's a good, good father. Amen? This is what he does. But when we give, because that is not the meaning here that you're going to be blessed with riches. When we give, we give. It is an investment, not just financial, but an investment of your life, believing that he is moving believing that he is moving and we get to join with him in it. You hear what I'm saying? You hear what I'm saying? That is what tithing is meant to be. It is, it is, does it help keep the lights on? Yes. Keeps the doors open? Sure. I have a job because you give, period. I mean, that's just the facts of it. But when you give truly in the nature of tithing, look at it, read it for yourself, study it for yourself. Don't just take my word for it. But when you give, you are saying to the Lord that I am investing in what you're doing. I believe that you are moving and I will pour out all that I have that your work may continue here on this earth. Because what is, a, what, what is necessary for a lot of things that get done on this earth, unfortunately? That green piece of paper, right? But when we invest, when we give, it is an investment into the kingdom, but it's not just a financial investment because the investment is meant to be your life, believing that he is moving and that you are joining with him. Tithing is just one of the ways that we get to co-labor with Christ. But tithing, again, church, tithing is a fruit. It is a fruit that comes from a life. It is a fruit that is meant to come from a life that is completely and totally his. For too long, the church has looked at tithing as a way to get out of further investment. I've had this conversation with people. When we are talking about the work that the Lord is doing, they're like, yeah, well, I give every Sunday to make sure that work continues. I'm like, that's really awesome. I'm not taking anything away from that. But that does not excuse you from operating in obedience Monday through Saturday because you gave on Sunday. That ain't it. That is one aspect of co-laboring. That is not the complete job. That's like a farmer just driving his tractor out to the field for harvest and then going home. No, that's one part of it. That's, that's not the entirety of it. Amen? Do you hear what I'm saying? Are you with me? Yes, sir. Okay, they're two with me. I got some more confused. We'll try to catch you up, okay? <laughs> Too long the church has looked at tithing as a way to get out of further investment. And what is the investment that we're trying to get out of? Giving our time to what the Lord is calling us to. We hoard money in this society. It is given more value than I can fathom or understand. I used to struggle because we, uh, my family, we grew up pretty poor. We grew up not knowing if we were gonna, in the early days, and, and the Lord blessed us uh, once we moved to Texas because promised land, right? Duh. Um, so, but we grew up, a lot of times, and I remember the first time I saw the Lord manifest his, himself and I saw a miracle was when my mom was praying upstairs in tears because we didn't have any food. She didn't know how she was going to feed her kids. She didn't know how we were going to do any of that stuff. And the bank called her and said, we can't trace this, but you have this much money in your account right now. It was like, what? And guess what it was? It was not just enough to do groceries, bills, mortgage, cars, fuel, all that stuff. It was abundance, right? Because that's how the Lord works. That's how the Lord operates. That's what he does, right? So I saw this. I got to see this. 
I got to understand how the Lord is, how, how the Lord uses these things and blesses people financially. I got to see him move in power in a, a profound and mighty way. But I still grew up, I grew up with this fear of money because I saw that. And for some reason, I didn't latch on as a kid. I didn't latch on to the miracle. I latched on to the fear. And so I grew up and I remember in, in premarital counseling with Kendall and we're going through this stuff and Sarah, Sarah grew up a missionary. So money is like no concept to her. Like you save what, what you have, you steward it well, but the Lord's going to provide because that's literally her life experience is the Lord just providing. Like that's it. Uh, that was not my life experience. I saw that one, but again, I latched onto the fear that was before the moment. I didn't latch onto the miracle that came. Okay. And so I'm sitting there and we're going over how to budget and do those things. And Kendall can see the anxiety and fear rising up in me as I'm realizing like I am about to have to support a person. Not like a dog, not my roommates. I'm going to have to support a person. You're... Oh, sorry. I thought you were raising your hand. It's like, yeah, it's a weird time for a question, but sure. <laughs> My bad. Now he's, he'll never come back. All right. <laughs> uh, but Kendall saw this in me, saw this rising up and he just stopped. And he had the wisdom to stop and listen to the spirit of God. And he just stopped. And he's like, what's going on here? And I just started telling him like money really freaks me out. He's like, why does money freak you out? I'm like, because it's, I mean, money is everything. He said, no, money is a calculation of measure. And measure that is not worth it doesn't have anything to say about who you are, the kind of person that you are, the quality of heart that you have. It's a unit of measure and exchange of goods. That's it. That's all it is. And other than that, it is a worthless piece of paper. Not even good for starting a fire. Like it's just worthless other than trading it for other goods. And so I had to understand this. I had to come to this place where I just allowed the Lord to... Uh, to just take that fear from me and trust that um, and allow him to do what only he can do, that he would honor the gifts that are given because at the end of the day, he just wanted me. He didn't care how much money I made. He didn't care uh, how much money was in my bank account or any of that kind of stuff. He just wanted me. And then he's always taking care of us financially. And I've seen that time and time again. I'm grateful for that conversation I had with Kendall because if I hadn't had it, I would have been freaking out early on in the days here at this church. Because it wasn't six months into working here, fresh out of college, newly married. My wife is pregnant with our first kid. And so I'm kind of freaking out. We live in an apartment behind a Dairy Queen, which is not the place to live in because uh, you just eat Dairy Queen. All right. Uh, especially when you have a pregnant wife that's just like, I'm craving blizzards. And it's like, well, I'm not going to let you eat that by yourself because I'm here for her. I'm a good husband. Right. I'm there. So, but we're, we're living that life. We're figuring things out. I'm learning how to do ministry and I'm still struggling with a heart that wanted nothing to do with ministry. Uh, but in that time, I saw the Lord bless and move and financially, and, and financially based things. And all of that to say, all the stories that, that I've been sharing, all of that to say is that the common denominator and all of the provision that I've seen of God, it has always come back to the heart, not the dollar. 
It has always come back. And the testimony of these moments has always been that these people that have changed, because there have been times, I'm not kidding you, when we were about to shut the doors, and then the next day, Rhonda can give you testimony after testimony after testimony when it was like, we can't pay for anything. And then mon- and it's not because of poor stewardship, it's just because things are expensive and it's the way life is. But that next day, there would be a financial gift, more than what we could need, more than what we could fathom, and it would bless us and allow us to continue to go. It's just, it's just the nature of God. It's what He does. He just wants your heart. And then He will bless everything that you give. But again, this is what we model. We model this giving as, as the investment. I've given this, so now I don't have to do anything else. And we get into this bad habit if you want to understand why, why do we do this? Why does this exist within, the, within God's people? Why do we think that when we give, we excuse ourselves of investing in time to the body of Christ, investing in what the church is doing, operating in obedience? Well, as I sat with this and I was sitting with the Lord, why do we do this? Well, it's because we get into this bad habit of taking our experiences with man We take our experiences with man and then we reason those up to who God is. We define God and his nature based on what I've experienced from my peers on this earth. And I say, this is who God must be. Instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal to me the true nature of God. And so what we do, unfortunately, this was something that that I had to recognize within myself. Unfortunately, what happens in our society, and this is a societal truth, But dads work a lot. Society demands that we work a lot. A lot of companies demand that you work a lot. And we, especially when you're you're younger and you're building your family, uh, a father has to work a lot more because they're building a life for the future, right? It's just the name. Every male in here understands that. And I'm confident that every man in here has had those moments where they had to leave because they they had a responsibility, they had an obligation that they had to meet, they had to honor their word of a commitment that they made, but everything in them was screaming to stay home because they just didn't want to leave. I remember when I was coaching uh, here at Sundown, and it was two-a-days, and we had just had Kai. He's just a three-month-old little baby. And Sarah's sending me stuff, and she's just trying to keep me involved, right? She's sending me stuff throughout the day as we're coaching. And as I'm at two-a-days, she's sending me stuff of all the funny, cute things that Kai's doing. But what is that doing to my heart? It was gutting me. And so I went home for lunch, and we sat there, and we cried on the porch as I went to leave to go get in the truck to go back to to the school and, and to continue to do what the Lord has given me the opportunity to do. These were good things that God was leading us into. But every male, every father in here understands that. And then we make up, unfortunately, this is what we've seen. This is a societal truth that we see. I'm not saying anyone in here does this. I'm just saying this is a common, uh, this is like a stereotype. But we make, dads make up for the time that we've lost by buying stuff for our kids, right? Right, that's like a societal truth. You see that in movies, like an absentee father that works all the time, what do all the kids have? Like all the cool stuff, right? All the cool toys, all the crazy things. They get whatever they want because a dad is trying to, trying to make up for lost time. That's a stereotype. All stereotypes are built on an aspect of truth, but that's a stereotype. But at the end of the day, what does that kid just truly want? 
just wants time with their dad. I, last, last night, my dad, or my dad, my son, Liam, uh, I'm, I'm sitting there and uh, we, we were doing some fun stuff that morning, just a lot of hard work. And so, uh, but anyways, when I got back with my kids, Liam just wants to play because Liam is like the energizer bunny that never stops and it's always sports and he's always running and he wants you to run and exercise just like nonstop and I hate it because I just can't do it. And he's like, jump on the trampoline. And I'm like, if I jump on the trampoline today, I'm not going to be able to walk till Thursday because it's just, I just can't do it anymore. And so, but anyway, so I'm, I'm sitting there and we're playing a little bit and Eden's not feeling good. Kai's not feeling good. Uh, so I'm helping Sarah with that. And he just comes up to me and, and I've already got this word written out. And he just comes up to me. He's like, dad, is there anything I can just do with you so that I can just be with you? And I was spending time with him. Don't, I'm not an absent father. I've, I'm there all the time. But he said that, and I was just like, my heart. He gutted me with those words. Uh, and then oftentimes, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to go. Let's go get us some ice cream and stuff for everybody. Everybody's not feeling good. Um, and then mom puts on a football game, and then he's like, well, I'd actually rather just stay at home. I'm like, well, thank you for leaving me with that word that gutted me and now putting me in a truck by myself to weep as I go get your ice cream. Okay, thank you for that. That's what kids are good for. But we, we, have this, we have this stereotype that we see in our society. Again, not accusing anyone of that in here, but it's a, it's a thing that's really easy for us as men to fall into this trap of working so much, trying to provide for the people that just want us with them, right? It's an easy trap for a man to fall into. And we have a dad an earthly father that just wants time with us. He just wants our hearts towards him. Turn now to, to Mark 12. If you have your Bible, we'll be in verse 41. He just wants time with us. Mark 12, verse And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums and a poor widow came and put two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box for they all contributed out of their abundance. But she out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. The reason, again, I, the reason I read this is not, this is not, again, this is not a tithing message. Tithing is just the way, the example that I can give. This is not a tithing message. But that word, what is so profound about that is that this woman, she, her heart was his. And so everything she had was his. Not just the abundance, not just the blessing, but Everything, everything she had was his to command. I only ever want anyone in this house regarding time, finances, involvement here. I only want you to give as the Lord leads you financially. Again, your time, your involvement. I just want us to live obedient, whatever that would look like. But I desire for us to live willing at any moment to give it all. That's, that's the word for this morning, that if we can stay anchored in this place, 
that what I give, I give in obedience. But Lord, if you ask me now to give everything I have to the furtherment of this kingdom, I'll do it. Because when we give from that place, that is what will stimulate Sundown, Texas. When we invest from that place, Lord, I give you this, but I will give you all because you have my heart completely and totally. When we give from that place, that is what will transform the city of Sundown. Not just giving to give, but giving because he commands it and he has authority over everything that I am and everything that I possess. My money and my life. Giving from a place of you can have it all, Lord. And in that place, church, again, that is when we see the fruition of this word. And we pray often for this city. We pray all the time for this city to look more like the kingdom of heaven than it does a city in a state in a country. That has been my prayer. That has been my anthem for the last three years. And I will continue to speak it and I will continue to believe it. I may not see it, but I will trust that a generation will inherit a city in Texas called sundown that looks more like the kingdom of heaven than it does a city and a state and a country. I will believe in that and I will stay rooted in that. You will not convince me otherwise. Uh, But for sundown to look like that, every aspect of sundown, every functionality, every day-to-day operation of sundown, Texas has to look like the kingdom. And that includes having a heaven-centered economy. For sundown to look like heaven, all of it, again, must take on the nature of heaven. So that means that businesses that would live with open hands towards the Father and towards this community, living in obedience to Him, operating as He calls them to operate, doing and moving as He calls them to do and move, living in complete and total obedience, completely surrendered to Him in every aspect of their lives. And guess where it starts? It starts right here. We are the model. You want to see a heaven-centered economy There's got to be a heaven-centered people at the heart of it. And the Lord, again, the Lord does not want you to give for giving's sake. The Lord just wants to know that at any moment he has your heart in its entirety. And that you give from that place. If you don't know how much to give, but you've got two quarters in your pocket and you give because that's what you want to give. Lord, this is all I have to give right now. But I'll give you anything and everything. When we give from that place. The Lord manifests in profound and supernatural ways. He magnifies, he multiplies, and he does what only he can do. And you will find yourself standing in a city with with a heaven-centered economy. Can you imagine what it would be like if you're checking out at a store of someone that you know operates and believes in the Spirit of God and at any moment the Spirit might break out in that grocery store? Church, that gets built. That will be built if we are willing to give all to him, that he would have authority over all. He just wants your heart. A song is just a song if that is the only offering that you bring. But if you sing because in the depths of your heart, these words are true and they are overflowing out of you, your praise unto the Lord is overflowing, then a song is more than a song. It is a sacrifice of praise that blesses the Father's heart. And if you give because the Lord has your heart and he's commanded you to do so and you would give him everything in a moment if he asked for it, when you give from that place, I'm telling you a dollar is a million in the kingdom of heaven. And he will do supernatural, unexplainable things. But he first has to have your heart 
don't ever give to this house out of an obligation because that money will just be that money. If you ever give, give because your heart belongs to the Father in entirety. Give from that place. And when we give from that place of surrender, that He has my life and He has authority over everything that I possess on this earth, when we give from that place, we will see a spirit-centered, supernatural economy flourish in this city. And it's what we need. I don't know how many conversations I have with people in a given month about, man, we need to get new businesses in here. We need to do this. We need to try to start this. There's a lot of dreamers in Sundown, Texas with a lot of really awesome ideas uh, for business and different things like that. A lot of amazing ideas. The only thing that's missing is the Spirit hasn't gotten a hold of it yet. But when we allow the Spirit into our lives completely, He will give you dreams and visions and ideas and ways to establish business and, and, and just stimulate an economy in sundown Texas is that when people come here, they wouldn't see a rich community. They would see a mysterious community that doesn't make any sense because on this earth, this shouldn't exist in sundown Texas, but it does. How does it exist here in sundown Texas? The kingdom of heaven, because it's a heaven-centered economy. So again, all of this to say this morning, the, the, the message in all of this and my prayer in all of this is that the Lord would have your life, not your dollar, but your life. And then in that place, when and if you give, trust that the Lord will do more than you could have ever fathomed or done yourself with that dollar. That's the message. This is not about tithing this morning. This is about making sure that we are a church whose heart collectively and individually completely and totally belongs to Him. Because when we exist in that place, you will see a transformed city before your eyes. Y'all good with that? There's not anything hard in that. Give Him your heart. Give Him your time. Invest in the kingdom of heaven as he calls you to invest. Just say yes to Jesus. That's the word. Just say yes to Jesus. Let him be Lord and Savior of your life and you will see the miraculous take place before your eyes. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.